Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, ADV. Thank you guys for joining me. Welcome to The Beauty of Video Games, Volume 3. I'm so glad that you guys were able to join us and read upon the blogs here on IGN.com under Anime, E-N-I-M-E, where I post all my Optional Opinion blogs at. Yes, this year we are talking about handhelds, PC and mobile games, and arcade games. But joining me for this discussion on handheld games is my boss from Nurse Gone Rogue Radio or NGRRadio.com, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hi, Corey. And I'm so excited to be back. This is amazing. Yes, yes. Um, yes. <clears throat> Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, if you guys don't know who Corey is, please listen to the Destiny discussion that we had. And also listen to our E3 uh, EA report that we uh, talked about for reviewing some games. That was a real great discussion. I was listening to it uh, yesterday uh, when I was coming back from my trip. So, um, guys, do check that out on SoundCloud. You know, you'll be able to find it. Uh, but Corey is my one of my hosts, also with uh, Jesse on Arsenal X. Me and him do Power Block together and other crazy things in the podcast world. But uh, he is, like I said, he's the head of NGR Radio. He's my boss, and I love him so much. But thank you coming on, Corey, to talk about handheld games and the beauty hey. of them. Ed, you know I'm. You know I'm always going to be on when you ask me to. You know that. Yes. You you know. You just know. I'm always yes. here. Thank you. Well, um, like I said, this week the beauty of video games is starting off in handhelds. Um, Corey, I want to ask you, what makes handheld? You know, what makes it so beautiful? Um, just the fact that you know. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but just the fact that like you can take the hobby that you love so much and just take it with you, you know, and, and we've seen so many different types of handheld gaming, you know, from the, the tiger electronic giant <laughs> Ninja Turtles green machine, uh, to, you know, the game boy to what amazing innovations, you know, game boy made into the transition to the DS and the three DS and like, now what Nintendo's doing with the Switch and even what Sony did with PSP and Vita, like, you know, there's so many ways you can take handheld gaming with you. And now, like, phones have the technology to produce, you know, some pretty interesting handheld games with touch and everything. It's just handheld gaming is one of the mo probably one of the most underappreciated types of gaming, but one of the most technologically marveled pieces of or, or I should say evolution of a hobby that we love so much just because like how look at all the technology that you can fit in this little handheld device now yeah so I mean I just I think handheld gaming is awesome and you know I I love it and you know we've we've talked about this a hundred times and like I love console gaming but handheld gaming is more convenient for me and my lifestyle and as much as I would love to take console games on the go, the handheld gaming has always just been the way I consume most of my games. And now with the Switch, like I get to do both <laughs> on the <laughs> yeah. on the same machine finally. And like even with the PS4 and the Vita, uh, to an extent with remote play and and stuff like that, like I can do that with that too. So it's yeah, handheld gaming is is 
getting to a point where it's like almost right on par with the console gaming and it's fun it's awesome it's so weird that you mentioned switch uh when i went to look up handhelds like a list of them is it is it weird that i mentioned switch ed i don't think we'd ever have a conversation where i don't mention well, switch only, re- <laughs> only reason why I, I say that is because when i was looking up the handheld line they had switch on part of the handheld and it's just like but it's not a handheld system. I mean, that's one of the extra features. But I'm like, this is a console that you play at home. But you, but the benefit is you can take it on the go. Which is crazy because everybody I talk to who owns a Switch is like, yeah, uh, my Xbox or my PlayStation is like my home console and the Switch is my new handheld console. And it's like, that's not how Nintendo's marketing it. But everybody I talk to is like, oh, they – it." kind of seems like the handheld console that you just plug into your TV. Like, mm. so, I mean, it's, I mean, it switches an anomaly, man. It's, ah, it switches so good. Yes. Well, the birth of all this handheld, definitely for me and Corey, he mentioned it earlier, was Tiger Electronics. And oh, um, <laughs> I know, I know you <laughs> go off on it. Um, but Tiger Electronics is an American toy manufacturer best known for its handheld LCD games. Um, they also are known for Furby, Gigapets, and a 2XL robot uh, project. And like some audio games, just a, a, some other this stuff like that. Um, but they're well known for the LCD games. And I just found out that they were, uh, their headquarters were located in Vernon Hills, Illinois. I'm 30 minutes from Vernon Hills. So I didn't, exactly, I didn't know they was in there. Well, Konami used to be in, uh, we got a place called Lake Bluff. Konami used to be about uh, 40 minutes from my house before they closed it. Wow. So I thought, I was just like, man, I must get all my games from Lake Bluff <laughs> with Konami and stuff. Uh, but yeah, um, Tiger Electronics, um, their LCD games, they would take popular titles and they would have a screen that you could look at. And it was kind of like green and black where you'll see a design in the back, but the black of them looks like, uh, if you think of a calculator uh, with lines in it, it, w- it looked down like that. And they have, like, some kind of animations. Uh, Corey mentioned the uh, Ninja Turtles one, a big, long, like, bulky thing. Um, and, you know, they were, like, double A batteries that they took. For me, I had a uh, Street Fighter um, for it. In a in Ninja Gaiden, and you know they would take popular video games, and you would get like a plus button for the direction, and then other buttons for attack. But you also have a button to start, and um, I don't, I don't, I forgot on how, uh, they had a button to close it out or anything, or you just let it play, don't play it at all, and it cut off itself. But yeah, that was my experience with handheld with Tiger Electronics. What about you, Corey? Well, I had an interesting path with Tiger Electronics. Um, so my first my first Tiger Electronics was, uh, you know, the the Ninja Turtles, the huge green Ninja Turtle one, right? And I got that one about I don't know, probably a couple months before my grandma bought me my Game Boy. I don't really remember because I was I was so young, but I remember I owned it a little bit before the Game Boy, and my grandma bought me Game Boy for my birthday, and I was like, I don't want this 
garbage anymore. I got this now. I got this Game Boy. It's amazing. Like, and then, you know, at a couple, I, I don't know, there's like this two or three, two, probably like a two year stretch where my cousin kept getting the new systems. He had a, he had a Sega Master System and an NES. And then when Sega Genesis came out, he gave me his NES and he had the Genesis. Well, when Super Nintendo came out, he gave me his Genesis and a bunch of old Game Boy games, right? Yes. So I had this plethora of Game Boy games, but not from my parents because my parents didn't really understand video games yet. Like my dad, my dad bought an Atari for an Atari 2600 for us. Uh, when I was really little, and that's like my one of my very very first memories was uh, us playing uh, Kaboom and Combat on, on sitting on the floor of the bedroom with him hooking up this Atari, and like I remember the instruction booklets always laid out on the floor because I mean my my dad's not really that tech savvy, you know he and back then like video game computer systems were like all the hype and really crazy, you know? And like, so I had this plethora of, of Game Boy games, but my parents kept buying me these Tiger electronic versions of the same games. So I would have Sonic three or Sonic two on Genesis. And then they would buy me the handheld Tiger electronics version of Sonic two. And it was like, what is this? This is not even the same thing. This is, this isn't even remotely the same thing. And I probably have probably I it was actually over at my parents' house and I found these because I knew we were doing the show and I was looking at all these weird Tiger Electronic things I used to have. There's like Disney ones, there's Sonic ones, there's there's a Street Fighter one in there. Like there was a Street Fighter Tiger Electronics game, and it's like how would this even work? How do these like little like you know? <laughs> three frames a second thing work for a fighting game or Sonic, you know, these games that are supposed to be Twitch based or super moving super fast. Like that was, that was Sonic. You move super fast. And this Tiger Electronics was like, bam, bam, bam. And it was just, man. But yeah, Tiger Electronics were a big part, but it wasn't like, wasn't like I had Tiger Electronics first and then graduated the Game Boy. I had these things come all coming at me at the same time. It was a very confusing time for a six-year-old to be like, I know this is better, but I keep getting these things, so I don't really know what to do. <laughs> and it was because, like, the Game Boy was expensive, you know, yeah. and the games for the Game Boy were expensive, and these Tiger Electronics were, were cheaper, so my parents would end up giving me, getting me those. Uh, but then, like, you know, I, I was obsessed with the Ninja Turtles one, and then my cousin gave me Fall of the Foot Clan for Game Boy, and it was over. Like, it was yes. over. That was, I mean, like, it was, it was over because you could, there were six levels. You could pick which turtle you wanted to be in each level, and you could jump right to the last level if you really wanted to. And it was, it was just over. It, it was over. <laughs> so. Fall of the Foot Clan. That was, that was my game. I got that for my crit for Christmas. Played that mode with all the turtles, like yeah, like faithfully. Um, well, definitely, you know, Tiger, uh, with the electronics that you would play these games. It'd be a couple of rounds, and you would get a high score. Um, and then the game would just end, or it would repeat. Um, the 
and it had a little bit of sound effects, but it didn't have no kind of ending to it. You know, it would kind of like blink and then just start all over. So you didn't really, you would just keep playing these games, Infinity, just to get a better score or until you die. It's just something to help you pass the time. Um, but then Nintendo, big old Nintendo, had to come in and dominate that handheld space. Literally just took it over. And they took it over by introducing the Game Boy. Back in 1989, uh, designed by Gunpei Yokoi, um, he brought this light and expensive system. You know, they use old technology, but use it in a smart way. And the Game Boy was kind of bulky. It was it used four AA batteries, had a directional pad, had two buttons, a B and A, almost like the Nintendo controller. It didn't have a select and a start button. And on it, it was a green screen that you would see. And the cartridge part was in the back. It was a like a little square cartridge. And um, you'll be able to turn it on also at the top, uh, I believe so, and control the volume on the, on the side. And when you cut it on, you will see the Nintendo uh, logo come down and make a ching. And then it will go into the game. Um, it was packed in with Tetris. And I played that game faithfully. Faithfully, yeah. I pay, played Tetris. Um, it also had a, a headphone jack. Um, but it, it took off like crazy. It spread a wildfire. Um, where were you at, Corey, with a Game Boy? Um, well, I didn't... I was still at an age where, like, I... When the when my grandma bought me a Game Boy, mm-hmm. right? Like I had always gone over there. She got an NES for my cousin who lived with her at the time, and we would sit in his basement and play Double Dragon, uh, you know, Mega Man, all you know, all all the Nintendo games because he got every single game he wanted from her, right? Yes. And and like I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but my cousin's family life wasn't exactly ideal so he ended up living with my grandma and like she kind of felt sorry for him so she kind of i don't want to say babied him but she she got him kind of whatever he wanted and like tried to make him feel better about himself and and he (laughs) took advantage of it by getting all the nintendo games and i would go over there and play with him you know i mean that's where i got my first taste of of mario 2 which was the first mario game i played and still my favorite mario game to this day Still my favorite Mario game to this day. Uh, you know, but at home we still had an Atari and, you know, I was playing Kaboom and Combat and the five other games, generic games that we had. I don't even remember what they were, to be honest with you. But uh, my grandma noticed that I kept bringing the Turtles Tiger Electronics over because when my cousin was playing Nintendo, I would be playing that. And so she noticed that Nintendo made a little handheld device called the Game Boy. And she found one and she bought it for me. And I remember it came with this big carrying case. It was probably like, it was a square carrying case that was probably Uh 12 inches by 12 inches. It held 10 games in those little plastic, remember those little plastic uh, cases they came in outside of the the cardboard ones? Yes. I just went through and I found all my original Game Boy boxes the other day, by the way, and it was awesome. Uh, but I had it held 10 of those little plastic cases, the AC adapter, the Game Boy, and it had a little pocket for 
eight extra AA batteries. Well, the thing with the Game Boy was, you know, there was clearly better in terms of graphics and and technology handheld devices coming out later, like, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, like Game Gear and Atari Lynx and uh, <clears throat> even maybe even Virtual Boy to an extent. But the Game Boy lasted so long because it was cheap. It was $100, and I think it dropped to $90 at some point. And then the revamped uh, Game Boy Pocket was only $79.99. I remember because I remember going out with my mom and she bought it for me, the little silver one with the black borders, and it was black and white instead of green and yellow. Yes. Uh, you know, the Game Boy lasted so long. The batteries didn't die. Like, it probably had, like, what it seemed like an eternity in battery life. And so, like, I, I got the Game Boy for my... I remember this distinctly, sitting on the couch... My grandma got it for me and I didn't even open any of my other presents. Like I just, I didn't, you know, I had, I had a boxing, uh, Tetris, Super Mario Land. Yeah. And, uh, there was one other game. I forget what it was. It might have been something like Monopoly or something. I don't know. It was, it was like some board game type thing. Uh, but I remember being obsessed with boxing and, and Super Mario Land. And that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can take Nintendo on the go. This is, and that's never going to get better. And then I was introduced to multiplayer Tetris when my, uh, the kid that my mom hired to babysit me when my parents would go out brought his Game Boy over and he brought the link cable and showed me how to do multiplayer Tetris uh... for the first time. And let me tell you, man, multiplayer Tetris, and he taught me how to play Tetris the right way because, like, you you look at Tetris and it shows up and there's a like a like a uh, it kind of looks like the Taj Mahal when you boot it up, uh-huh. and and I thought that I was supposed to be building a building <laughs> with these bricks that they're laying down and like I wasn't supposed to have any holes and I didn't understand because I was young I was I was like three and a half when I got my Game Boy. Wow. Yeah, it, it was probably like 1980. I mean, it came out in 1989, right? So it must have not been that much further out than that, right? So uh, he taught me how to play Tetris correctly. And Tetris is going to be in my top five favorite games of all time, if not my favorite game of all time, just because it was the first real video game I ever really sat down to play, you know, like... Mm. I mean, Kaboom and, and Combat are great games, don't get me wrong, but Tetris was the one that, like, you have to think. You have to position yourself to a way to where maybe I can get four lines, maybe I can get three, maybe I could just, you know, take out one line so I can set myself up for three later, you know, so. Uh, but yeah, that's my story with the Game Boy, and my cousin got me Ninja Turtles, and I ended up with, like, this huge library of Game Boy games. And then, I mean... Later down the road, I I was obsessed obsessed with Pokemon Red and Blue, yes. uh, obs- obsessed with uh, Mario Mario Land Two, obsessed with uh, points. That was the joint, yes. Yeah, and I I became obsessed with all these Game Boy games, <laughs> and you know that's Game Boy was my entryway into Nintendo, right? It was the reason why you and it's it's the game boy is literally the reason why you and i do pow block twice a week right it's it it changed everything so well i i know for me um 
I got my Game Boy for Christmas, and for some unknown reason, I got a defective one because my down button didn't work. So I couldn't. I, I would try to. Sometimes it would work, but I had to press like really hard for it to go down. And I didn't say nothing to my parents about it because they spent too much money on it, and I didn't want to get it returned. So I was just like, you know what? I'll suffer. I I played the crap out of it, and then Game Boy Color came out, and I told my mom I want a Game Boy Color. You know, uh, in the Game Boy Color, they put the games actually in color. You could see some, um, but I remember before I got that, I had Link's Awakening, and yeah. I it. Uh, yes, if, yes, I know where you're going with this, and I'm so excited. If and I don't want to spoil the game, but if you play a uh, a link to the past, because I think Super Nintendo was out also when uh, Link's Awakening came out, um, because that's how Six Golden Coins was also because Super Mario World was out. But Link's Awakening was uh was just a whole different kind of beast itself. And it's probably one of the first games that I I played it originally on Game Boy. Then I played that Game Boy version on Color. And then I bought the Color version for Game Boy Color. I, I re-bought that game. And it's one of the games that you literally have to put your headphones on and listen yeah. to. Yeah, plus the I had, I had Link's Awakening for Game Boy. Also, like I have both versions sitting in the case where with my Game Boy. And the thing is, you could play Link's Awakening DX on your Game Boy or Game Boy Pocket. Yes. If you played played on the Game Boy Color, you got that bonus dungeon. Yes. Yes. So like, yeah, it was just like, yes. Oh, oh man. Link's Awakening is so good. And- I just... I just remember, like, the first time I played it, like, Link's Awakening was my the first Zelda game I ever played. And I just remember, like, walking around and cutting down grass and going down to the beach and getting the sword. I was like, I know I have to go down to the, to the beach and get the sword. I probably played that game 15 times before I even realized, like, the point of Zelda is going to find these dungeons, you know? Like, my my cousin was like, you know you're playing that wrong, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm just going around killing stuff, and and you know. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then he took me up, up, and up in the great fairy fountains and the in the in the lost woods, and it was just like, uh, just a totally, just yeah, yeah. Um, but before uh, the we get into the events games, um. Super Nintendo had the Super Game Boy, and where you could take your Game Boy event uh, games and play them on your console, your Super Nintendo, so you could play them on the big screen. And you were able to see it a little bit better, but you will also be able to change the backgrounds for it. And uh-huh. I, I played Pokemon that way. Well, I mean, I played all my Game Boy games on the original and on the uh, color. Uh, and I beat them all on the color and on my original Game Boy. Uh, but I played them also on my Super Nintendo. And, man, I literally had a blast. And that was kind of... It was weird how Nintendo got into uh, uh, being able to bring your portable to your console. You weren't able to bring your console to your portable. 
actually until the Nintendo Switch in in a way. But it it was so nice to like just put the cartridge in and put the your cartridge in, in the Super um, Game Boy and just cut it all in place. So for people who couldn't afford a Game Boy or wasn't interested in it, they were still able to have a way to play their game on a bigger screen. It's kind of like the original XL if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but moving on to that, uh, they ended up bringing out the Game Boy Advance, which was the new iteration. Now, with the Game Boy Advance, for for some of them, you were able to play your still your Game Boy games, but you got to play, uh, in a way, like 16-bit style games. So, uh, you had games like Mario Kart, you had the like, Castlevania games, um, I just I I had Metroid Zero Mission. I remember that. And this one, when it first came out, it was straight purple. It, uh, if you look at the GameCube purple, um, that kind of uh color and that texture, that's how the original Game Boy Advance look. Um, and later on, they came out with some clear ones and other colors. Um, they also had the Game Boy Advance SP, which was like a smaller pocket version. Um that you know you could you'd be able to carry on and stuff um like you could just it, it was the first kind of flip uh system before they went into the ds and the 3ds family um but yeah i remember that uh the game boy events i think they only bought one pokemon game to it um well there was there was what uh, Ruby and Sapphire were Game Boy Advance. I think so. And then they remade Red and Blue for Game Boy Advance. They had they had uh, green or leaf green and fire red for the Game Boy Advance. And okay. I remember that that was a huge deal because like that was like the first time they remade any of the games, and then. Uh, the other thing was like the Game Boy Advance <laughs> wasn't around that long, you know. It was it was around for like three years before the DS launched, and then you know they tried that three pillar strategy, and all of a sudden the Game Boy Advance was just done, and the DS and the DS Lite had the uh, slot in the bottom for your Game Boy Advance games. Yeah, the original uh, the original version of the DS. Uh, yeah. When it came out, I remember because um, I I think when I first buying handheld games like systems and stuff, the DS was my like first one that I bought. I actually had a job and I could were able to afford my own games and still go to school and stuff like that. Uh, but that was kind of the Game Boy uh, lineup. Uh, just want to let you guys guys know there's Game Boy, uh, Game Boy Select. Uh, Game Boy Light, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, and Game Boy Micro. So that was the uh, Game Boy line for that. Um, I remember Mario Luigi. I believe showed up on uh, showed up on the Game Boy Advance. Um, and yes, everybody, I know the Capcom uh, one, season, uh, season of Ages and uh, Season of or Oracle season or something like that. They were on the Game Boy regular Game Boy, but you know they really came to the Game Boy Color. Um, Minish Cap was on. They did that. They did that weird thing where, like, with the Game Boy Color, where the, a lot of the games, uh, unless they were in those translucent green, yeah, uh, carts, 
like a lot of those games could be played on Game Boy. That was really smart, you know, and you saw that with the 3DS and the DS, uh, you know, because a lot of the, the DS games can could be played. Like you saw that feature carry over a lot more in their handheld games than than you did on their, their home consoles. Mm, yeah. Which is why I keep I kept my my Wii plugged in for so long because I want to play GameCube games. <laughs> well, uh, the game the Game Boy Advance or the Super Game Boy Advance was on the GameCube, so it was the attachment, and I still have it attached to my system. You oh the the Game Boy player for the GameCube yeah and it came came with that uh the, you had to have that weird disc to put in to play yeah. it. Yeah. Oh man, I can I have the player, but I cannot find the disc anywhere. Me too. I can't find my disc anywhere because you used to play the, be able to play the games with the GameCube controller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's tons of Game Boy Advance games that um, that a lot of people should check out. Definitely Zero Mission. Um, Metroid Fusion was good. I did like that, but when Zero Mission came out, I it just kind of like. Yeah, this is it. Of course, Mario Kart was popular, and um, playing some of the Mega Man games, and uh, I always wanted to play the Astro Boy game. It was by Treasure, but I couldn't never find it. So one of the few licensed games of the era that were like supposedly it was supposedly pretty good. I didn't. Yeah. Play, I never played it, but yeah. yeah. So uh, and of course, the, everybody knows that the Game Boy. Uh, events was a, a RPG magnet for those. But when Nintendo uh cuz they were just breaking in the money just like crazy. But yeah. then it came to the Nintendo DS. And the DS stands for dual uh dual screen and they kind of said that you know the Game Boy was the, the Game Boy line was still going to continue and Unfortunately, it did die out because of the DS being so popular. But the problem was that people thought that the, the people didn't get understand the DS. The uh, touchscreen base, you go, you know, you flip it open. At the top, you got to see the game or or a map or something. And at the bottom, your gameplay, depending on if you if it allows you to use buttons, um, you had a touch screen, so you could touch it with your hands. Or, um, to be more precise, you could, uh, it came with a stylus. So you were able to touch, uh, games like that with the stylus. So, um, a game like Ninja Gaiden, uh, you was able to slash attack them. Or if you look at, um, Dawn of Sorrow for Castlevania, uh, you would see, like, dots and stuff and you would draw them for your magic and stuff like that. And, uh, you didn't have to really use the functionality, uh, but when it first came out, the lighting to it was bad. The game, the DS looked really clunk, uh, clunky, so not many people bought it until the DS lighting. Yeah, that fat DS, man, that was, woo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But me being a hard Nintendo fan that I am, I had to have it. I had, yeah. I literally went out and had to have it. Um, Corey, how did you jump into the DS line? Um, I, I was, I was waiting, uh, because I had, the DS came out at a point where I was really into, uh, 
I had moved into that uh, uh, part of my life where like I wasn't playing games as much, uh-huh. but I was re- I was really focusing on games that I really loved uh, to play and and not necessarily you know I mean you know how we are now where like I <laughs> I need to have a whole collection of games just to sit on my shelf and say yay this is nice to look at but at that point I was looking for games with a lot of longevity and a lot of uh you know ways to play and i was really into rpgs jrpgs at the time and i was collecting jrpgs for playstation and playstation 2 and yeah you know uh, uh uh gamecube was gamecube was out at the time and i had found bat and kados and i had found like you know the whole suite of nintendo gamecube games that are just still amazing to this day i was watching i was watching the game informer super replay i because that's like one of my favorite shows to watch on on youtube is game informers replay and super replay series and they i went back and was watching this old luigi's mansion uh let's play because they they ended up doing one because the 3ds got the sequel dark moon and they had were revisiting the gamecube one i was like man the gamecube the gamecube is such an underrated system like i know people talk about it now fondly but like it's still one of still one of the best systems i think nintendo ever made uh so i was you already know that you're coming to the show for that episode right oh yeah oh yeah Ah, i don't even care if i'm not invited i'm gonna figure out what it is and be there uh but i was obsessed with game boy advance also because there was some games like final fantasy crystal chronicles where yes you could hook your Game Boy Advance up and play it that way with friends. And I would play by myself with two Game Boy Advances because I had a Game Boy Advance. And then I, when the DS was announced, I ended up getting the Game Boy Advance SP. And I was like, they were putting out the games like Dogs and Brain Age and like the games that weren't really, it, they were shifting into that arrow that DS and Wii are most known for. And that's getting mom and grandma involved in video games, you know, like, they were moving into that area. I'm like, I'm going to stick with Game Boy because I don't really know how that's going to work out. And then I didn't get a DS until the DS Lite came out. Uh, I I bought it because I remember like Reggie came out and like pulled the redesigned DS out of his pocket or something. It yes. was something to that effect. I was like, that is a sick looking console. Yeah. And I and I I got the white one with the Game Boy Advance slot. And so many times people were like. Hey, I'll trade you my DSI, oh, my DSI XL for your game for your DS Lite. I'm like, no, because I want to play Game Boy Advance games still on this right. thing. And you could set it to the top screen, and you could hit L or R to make it expand the p- image and make it bigger. And yeah, the the DS Lite was when I jumped in, and I I mean I ended up getting Brain Age, and I was obsessed with Brain Age. I played that game every day for like three years. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, like. I had to check in because, you know, it would yell at you if you didn't check in. And then <laughs> it'd be like, you didn't train your brain yesterday. You're an idiot. I mean, it didn't say that, but that's what it made me feel like. Uh, so, yeah, that was my in- entry to the to the DS. And then New Super Mario Brothers was amazing. Oh, that just so uh, bonkers. Yeah, because, like, it was the first 2D Mario game we'd gotten since... Uh, Super Nintendo, right? Yeah. Except for like 
the Game Boy Advance remakes, but like that was like the first brand new 2D Mario game that we had gotten, and it was amazing. It was amazing. It's it's still like probably at the top of my DS favorite DS games list. Like that game was so good, and that I had played Mario 64 DS and that back to back. And I, I was going through this phase where, like, I wanted to play 2D Mario and I wanted to play Mario 64. Well, they are both available to me now. And and then I had the uh, this Mario Advance game, uh, the first one, because it was the remake of Mario 2 yeah. <laughs> in the bottom of my DS. So I had all this Mario going on. Uh, it was just, man, Dude, the DS was a, a nice little console. It, Mario and Luigi's... Uh... Bowser, oh, the, uh, the Bowser's Inside Story. Bowser's Inside Story. I've never laughed so hard. Thousand Year Door, I love. That Paper Mario, that one is hilarious. But Bowser's Inside Story, I fell out at 11 o'clock almost getting myself in trouble on how funny that game is. <laughs> like, it is so written well. And just having Bowser suck up still to this very day is funny. That Bowser is sucking up these big peppermint lollipops from the old, like, big giant Goombas. And he gets energy from it, and they run away crying. Um, room 216, I cannot think of the first part of it. Um, it uh, some for some DS games, you were able to turn it into, like, a book and read it. It was the mystery one, and I cannot think yeah. of the name. Uh, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I don't remember what it's called either. Because yeah. a lot of people did that where you would, like, read the the left side and touch on the right side to solve the puzzles. Yeah. And that's how they, I mean, that's how they got mom to buy it, you know? And uh, But, yeah, I remember that was, like, the big draw was, like, you could hold it like a book. And right. it, made, it, it made it more intellectually satisfying or whatever. I, they did all kinds of studies. I, I remember being fascinated with the two screen thing and them really doubling down and do, I was doing research on that and like they tested the, the sideways hook on this group of, of older people, like an older demographic and they, they sent them out into the world and they made them feel uh, more confident in what, and playing a game because they weren't holding a children's toy. They were holding a touchscreen tech device that, you know, looked like a book, you know, and that made people feel more comfortable playing games. It was really fascinating. Um, uh, Hotel Dust Room 215. Yeah. 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 Um, you also have Rhythm Heaven, but one of my favorite rhythm games, Elite Beat Ages. Oh, yeah. I played that religiously at work. Like every time I got a break, I open it up, ba 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 ba, and just hearing it and following the beat and stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness, I love this game. Um, th- yeah, th- they just had so many great titles on the uh, on the DS, and man, still to this very day, like if you you can't believe on how well that mug so then it's still like almost like 90 million i think uh ds sold more than that i think uh i mean i'm i'm looking it up real quick it sold a ton uh it was 
the it's it's something like ridiculous like 120 mil okay so as of uh as of the last shipment of ds sales uh sale uh sales projection between 130 and 140 million according to wikipedia's ds sales page wow so like i mean the only system to outsell the ds was the ps2 and then ds and then Wii. wow that is well the ps2 had a dvd player so yeah but uh but yeah and it the attach rate was kind of ridiculous too. It's almost seven games per system. Yeah, because you which is without digital distribution is a lot. Yeah, because you had a lot of the uh, Pokemon Pokemon games to it. Oh, sorry about that. You had two Zelda games to it. Um, mm-hmm. Like we said, New Super Mario Brothers, um, Bowser Inside Story. Um, you end up getting like Art Academy that was like teaching people on how to do art. So I mean, even they even had a, a cooking game where they taught you how to cook. Mm-hmm. Like you could go to a grocery store, get the uh, ingredients they tell you what you need, and then literally come back home and cook like meals and recipes from around the world. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, of course, crossword was my game right there. Like on the go, just having some crossword. Uh, yeah, and I had I had like I had a Sudoku game. I remember uh, I yes. had this like this like fast math game uh, where like it would time you. Remember in elementary school the math thing called Mad Minute, where you had to answer as many math problems as you could in like under a minute. Yes, uh, it was kind of like that. Uh, it it was kind of like brain age but nowhere near as like it robust it was just like this weird math game where you could be like i'm going to answer try to answer 100 addition addition problems in 60 seconds or whatever and you had to draw the answer on the second screen uh but yeah man the ds is still like i mean even the 3ds now is still like this fascinating piece of technology it's still this fascinating weird handheld design like the clamshell design was something that everybody complained about the PSP not having yeah. uh clamshell design is something people still swear up and down that maybe the switch should have had like because it had that nice layer of protection to protect both screens uh it protected your sticks it protected your your buttons cuz that was the big thing about the PSP it was like the stick in the Vita too was like the sticks are tall so, like, if you just threw it in a bag or something, you had the risk of, of your sticks breaking. And that was the nice thing about the DS and the 3DS is, like, it protected your sticks. It protected your buttons, your screen all at once in just this nice little compact design. Do you remember how they had Guitar Hero on it? Yeah. On oh, it? my gosh. And you had to have you had to have a light or a fat because the it used the Game Boy Advance slot. Yeah. And I remember, like... Two months after Guitar Hero ended up coming out for the DS, they released the DS I. I? Yeah. Yeah. And uh they didn't have a Game Boy Advance slot. People were like, Well, how am I supposed to play Guitar Hero on my DS? Right. Um that was I, ridiculous. I had the uh I had the regular DS, 
I went to the light. I didn't buy the I, but I got the DSi XL. And I have the 30th anniversary or 25th or something um, anniversary of Super Mario Brothers on it. So it's red with the Mario design, and I still have it. I'm just like, oh, wow. Um, Fire Emblem came to that system. Um, that's when it was, like, very niche that they actually bought Fire Emblem. Um, Phoenix Wright was kind of like the first Game Boy events game that we didn't get in the, get um, to America that came to uh, that came to the DS and you know people didn't really care about it and when it went to $20 in a bargain bin I literally got a brand new copy and then it disappeared out of the blue overnight Phoenix Wright after I like after I bought my copy Phoenix Wright became like super popular yeah yeah i mean yeah phoenix right was a phenomenon and then they like which which game was it? it was like the third or fourth game that came out and like switched from phoenix right to apollo justice and people yeah. were like freaking out because you know uh <laughs> phoenix right wasn't the main guy right and then and then you know another popular series which i'm actually excited that the 3ds is getting another entry is uh professor layton yeah another awesome puzzle series uh i mean if any even if you have a 3ds now you should look up those professor laytons i think there was one or two that came to the 3ds and then we're getting the spinoff game this fall that came to ios i think earlier this year i think there's three of them that came because they also had the professor layton versus phoenix phoenix Wright one that right came to, uh 3ds um, right yeah uh you were able to also kind of do swap notes i think on uh dsi or something like that i know you were able to type yeah messages and, like, it was like out. it was like this weird instant messenger but it was like all ad hoc stuff where like you you had to be in the vicinity of someone to send it it was kind of like the precursor to street pass almost yeah uh which is really cool um you also had animal crossing on DSi, and that sold Buku like Buku crazy. I think that's when it's just like started staying on the uh on the handheld because you have the GameCube version and you have the Wii version. Um, Wii U has the Animal Crossing like Amiibo Festival, but those are the only like three console uh um Animal Crossing games. Everything else stayed on the handheld system like DS and 3DS, and completely just like still sell, still selling today that's how crazy it is like people are still buying ds games to play on day 3ds or yeah if they could, yeah if they could find it like i got um like hive or the or the search search something um it's like a uh diagonal uh 3d metroid style game um that came out uh contact which was like a rogue rpg from atlas um, kind of like time traveling a little bit. That one was good that I had for DS. Um, like I, I played a lot of DS games and still to this very day, I got a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, anything else, Corey, about the DS line uh, that you want to announce? Uh, I know they had a special edition, like limited editions that you were able to buy. Um, they also had the kind of like the WiiWare eShop thing also like later down the line they had the dsi wear which was kind of like the we wear thing where like they they were 
experimenting with like smaller projects and indie games and stuff. Uh, but I didn't really get into that. I know that's where, uh, not the first Shantae game, but like there was a Shantae game that was a big deal because mm-hmm. instead of, it was like one of the first kind of made, I don't want to say major because Shantae is not really like a major, major game, but like it was one of the first noticeable games that instead of getting a retail release, it went the digital route yes. on D- on the DSi, and that was the only way you could play it was if you had the system. And so, yeah, yeah. it was a big deal. Um, you were always also were able to take pictures. And also, for the, I didn't mention for the Game Boy, um, you had the Game Boy printer where you was able to take pictures and um, print them out like on the slow thing with some special paper that Nintendo made. Um, but I, I will <clears throat> be mad if I didn't get to mention, um, if you had something like Mario Kart and you wanted to play it with your friend, but they didn't have the cart, you were able to add them to the game. Like, it would download to their system, and with limited play, you would still be able to play Mario Kart without a cartridge in your system. And that was cool. Yeah, but, like, your friends had to play as Shy Guys. (laughs) I didn't remember that. Yeah. Well, that was good marketing, because they were just like, okay, if you don't want to play this character, you need to buy the game. And people went and bought the game. So, um, that was, I think, oh, wait, which one was it? Cause I remember the Game Boy Advance one was Shy Guy, but wasn't the DS one, didn't they change it to Yoshi or was that, am I thinking of something different? It might be something different. I think it was a uh, Shy Guy. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Never mind then. I thought maybe, I thought one of them was, was Yoshi, but I could be mistaken. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't get a Metroid game. Um, but like we got my Mario game, we got the Zelda game on DS. We got Metroid Prime Hunters, but we didn't get a traditional Metroid. Oh, uh, so. okay, yeah, we Prime got Hunters. We did get, um, and I think we also got that pinball one that they had. Um, the WarioWare series, I remember it more on the DS than any other system. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they had a very good strong lineup. Also, they were. This is when. Um, after Dragon Quest Eight came out, Nintendo kind of got the exclusive for them to bring the Dragon Quest games to their system. So you were able to get uh four, five, six, um, and then you got nine that came to DS before ten, which was a multiplayer, went back to Sony and also Nintendo, and with eleven. Um, but now you know. Uh, for the 3DS, they got seven, the remake of seven and eight. So, um, moving from the DS line, unfortunately, uh, I forgot to talk about um, virtual. Uh, 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 what was the virtual one uh, with the red glasses? Virtual uh, the Virtual Boy. Yeah, unfortunately, everybody, I didn't have a Virtual Boy. Um, I know it had about six to eight games. It didn't really last long, but you know, it was, it was. I know that it was red and um, people. Yeah, a lot of people I have. I actually have a Virtual Boy at my parents' house, and uh, if you f- saw my Instagram post, I had all of my Nintendo stuff in the room for the first time ever, like in the same space, except for my virtual boy. And it was just like, I wish I would have had it, but man, virtual boy is, 
an interesting peek at technology that was not ready. Yes. Uh, I think if Nintendo did something like this is my thing with the Switch now, right? Is like you could totally, totally have a uh, Virtual Boy 2 type thing where you just slid the Switch's screen into this setup and you could have the Joy-Cons as your motion control thing. And I know that's why they did that in case virtual reality took off. They would have a cheap solution to enter that race in without investing all this R&D. Uh, and I know this isn't a VR show, but, uh, you know, I just think that's really interesting that, you know, all those things that they wanted to do with the Wii U. Remember when they had like that Google Street View type thing and yes. uh, the bird thing where like you look around with the, the game pad and you could sh- shift perspectives and stuff. They could totally work that into the switch and it would not cost them a dime. I mean, it, I mean, it would, but like, it wouldn't cost them anything really to do that in the grand scheme of things. You know, it would be like uh, a little bit of R and D. Make sure uh, that head mounted display uh, had, you know, cameras to make sure you didn't fall over when <laughs> your camera went awry or whatever. And then, you know, maybe uh, either you know work the Joy Cons into using motion control, or maybe just have an upgraded version of Joy Cons like Wii Motion Plus, and that would be your VR solution. But uh, that that was just. But anyways, Virtual Virtual Boy was an interesting piece of tech, and there was a game. I swear it was Star Fox, but it was not Star Fox. It was a different game that was inspired by Star Fox, and it was actually made by the people who did the Super Nintendo Star Fox game. Uh, it was that was the coolest game on that system, and it, it was just like this 3D uh, on rails. I mean, it was it was Star Fox pretty much, and you just shot things and made your way through the game. And uh, but yeah, that was just a piece of technology that just it was cool, and it was one of the only times where I really saw Nintendo embrace technology that was kind of up and coming because there was that small span in the 90s where VR was kind of popular uh, and like they were trying to get ahead of it and it failed so they pulled the plug but that was an interesting time for Nintendo and then they moved on to the N64 and kind of went back to you know their old ways with carts and uh, you know and when PlayStation was moving to CDs and and stuff like that so so we're going to move it to their last lineup uh, before we get a little bit talk a little bit about the switch and then we got like just a, one more topic and then um, you guys can read more about that um, the Nintendo 3DS uh, which is their current lineup um, this the main thing was to play games in 3D without using the glasses uh, when it first came out there was a red and there was a blue one um, it was a little bit suspense of 249 but it down when they changed the price and then made it go down, they introduced the ambassador. Um, you can still play your DS games on it, but the size uh, shrink. Um, they kind of wanted to focus uh, still on that touch function- functionality, um, but they introduced like street pass, uh, swap note, um, games that you could play, uh, which are me's. Like you could create your me. They in- introduced friend codes and stuff like that. You were able to play wireless. Um, they g- split it off until uh, two more lines, the 2DS and the XL. So uh, before we get into the discussion of the uh, 3DS, uh, there's Nintendo 3DS, uh, the new Nintendo 3DS, new Nintendo 3DS XL, 
uh, the Nintendo uh, 3DS XL, Nintendo 2DS, and now the new Nintendo 2DS XL, which our very own Corey Derrick owns. Uh, sexy system. Oh, that game is that system is so beautiful. Just love. Yeah, it's really it's really solid. I I really like it. My only gripe with it is that like the top screen mm-hmm. is not as clear as the 3ds's screen yeah uh it and they used a better quality screen to better produce the 3d tech and they took that obviously they took that out of the 2ds so like they didn't they could use a cheaper screen and mm. it, it is a little bit noticeable but at the same time it is it's a better feeling system the buttons are bigger the d-pad for some reason the d-pad feels way better the circle pad pay, feels better uh, the the secondary uh, trigger buttons that are on the back feel they're easier to get to. They're easier. It's just it's just a really sleek looking system. Yes. Uh, and they uh, just announced today that Europe is getting the Super Nintendo uh, 3DS XL and 2DS XL. So uh, with the uh, four colored buttons and it looks like a their the European Super Nintendo looks really cool. Yeah, kind of like the Super Famicom. Always. Yeah. Um, with the new Nintendo 3D, 3D, uh, 3DS, they added the analog uh, for people who play Monster Hunter. Um, because with uh, when Monster Hunter came out, they didn't have the extra analog, so they had a little system that 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 you have to or accessory that you have to put in. De- definitely with Resident Evil Revelation. Um, <clears throat> also. Uh, they uh they brought in the amiibo functionality, so you could just touch your system and play it. For those who didn't have it, um, you were able to buy an accessory and use that for the older models. Um, they did have like special editions. Um, when the 2DS came out, um, they made it flat screen, so you wasn't able to bend it. But with the new 2DS XL, you're able to uh fold the system. Um. So, you know, they got different colors and different versions of it. It still sells like crazy. Um, so, uh, but they had a ton of great games. One of the big major ones was Super Smash Brothers for a 3DS. And uh, you were able to play this game also on the Wii U uh, with the Smash Brothers for Wii U. You were able to control your character um, with the 3DS, and I used to play Smash with my 3DS on the Wii U. Like, I never touched the controller or anything. I made sure that I had my cart and my system was charged up, and I was ready to go. Like, I've, I fought with Samus a lot on my 3DS. Yeah, uh, I remember, I remember that, and like, they had that same functionality for Monster Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, because Monster Hunter 3 came to Wii U also, and I remember that was like the a lot of people got really excited for for the Wii U for that small amount of time when Monster Hunter came out when it would talk to your 3DS uh, and you could play the Wii U version with your 3DS friends and people were like, is Nintendo finally moving into a direction where you know this crossplay uh, will work? And, uh, I mean, that obviously never came to fruition, but, like, Smash Smash was another thing people got really excited for. It was like, well, if it's coming to 3DS, are my 3DS friends going to be able to play with me on the Wii U? 
and uh, vice versa because and then it ended up not it was Smash Brothers, but they had a 3D specific 3DS specific game and then the Wii U specific game. They weren't, you know, the same uh, game. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, yeah. Um, one I do have to mention later on. They took SWAT note out. There were some things that some naughty people did with it, um, but <laughs> they, they they removed that functionality. Um, they did <laughs> introduce the eShop where you could also buy. Um, games on the eShop. Uh, some of them were cross-play and cross-buy with the Wii U. Uh, but they also had Netflix and they had Hulu. And because we had the Netflix, a lot of people was using their Wii's with Netflix. And the cool thing about it was that if you were watching, uh, like watching it on your Wii or your Wii U, um, and you know it was kind of connected to your system, or you guys had, to, or you had that same account on the, on the system. When you ended off with an internet connection for your 3DS, if you was on the road, because they 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 got that, um, you were able to pick up up where you left off and be able to watch that show. So they did that for Netflix, Hulu, and they also had YouTube on there. So they had those kind of like social things. Um, they still do demos. Um, they have themes that you could buy and actually place on your game. Or if you buy that game, you get a free, um, theme for the system and stuff. Um, they do regular updates, um, for the old, um, uh, 3DS, you had SD cards. Um, but, uh, when the new 3DS came out, they went to micro SD cards and the transfer system. They had three ways of doing it, but that was kind of. A long battle, a long discussion, and a lot of people did have to wait. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, 3DS is still going. There's tons of games on it. Uh, when Xenoblade Chronicles came to the 3DS, you only could play it on the new 3DS and uh, the new 3DS XL. You probably could play it now on the new 2DS X, XL, but you can't play it on the old system. They started making games specifically for that system. Um, you know, Atlas has always been a big component with some of their Persona and the Shin Megami Tensei games. Uh, uh, of course, Pokemon came out with uh, Sun and Moon. They're about to come out with Ultra Sun and Moon later on. That you know, Sun and Moon sold four million copies, even with Pokemon Go being out. So, uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, one of Nintendo's like most recognized franchises for the 3DS kind of helped kept that series alive because if Awakening didn't sell it was going that was going to be the it that was going to be it for the series um but unfortunately a lot of people played it a lot of people a lot of people loved the writing and the gameplay some of their favorite characters come from that game um with the each not the eShop with the street pass uh you were able to meet different people around the world and get their state to show that you met them um but you were also able to do like a little role playing game a car slot game um and some other things for it uh but Corey what's your thoughts about the 3DS I I like the 3DS I think it turned out better than everybody initially thought it was really hard to recapture what the DS did. And, you know, I mean, the 3DS is the, like, this is the, <laughs> like I said about the Virtual Boy, it was a system that, I mean, it was a, it was obviously a way better system and they gave you options that you could use it, but they were trying to capture that 3D phase 
and they really went all in on the technology of glasses-free 3D, which was really amazing at the time, except nobody cared about 3D, you know? And, 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 you know, it was the first time since the Virtual Boy I really feel like Nintendo went out and chased technology and actually exceeded the limits of the technology uh, by, you know, this glasses-free 3D where... You know, you look at a TV, you needed those special glasses and, you know, you won't go to the movie theater. They gave you those chintzy ones that you just threw in a big garbage pail when you walked out. Like this was the first time where 3D actually looked like it worked. And this was the 3D people wanted, yes. except it was tied to this little handheld device where everything outside of the realm of the screen was still in 2D and it gave everybody a headache. And so they gave you that slider to turn it off. And that, I mean, that's why I have the 2DS now, right? Just because, like, my, I don't think I, when I upgraded to a new 3DS XL the first time, I don't think I ever moved my slider up once. Uh, except for the fact that, like, everybody said that on the new 3DS XL, the 3D w- was better with the eye tracking and stuff. But then you got that little infrared laser that would, like, follow your eyes mm-hmm. and I could see it. And that ended up hurting my eyes, so I ended up keeping the slider down. But the technology behind the 3D was awesome. And the fact that Nintendo was moving, you know, into uh, this this space where, like, I could take Virtual Console with me for the first time. I could, uh, you know, I could play Super Mario 3D Land, which was a pretty cool idea for a single-player Mario game, which spawned Super Mario 3D World, probably my second favorite Mario game of all time. Uh, you know, I think that game is severely underrated. We got two remakes of some N64 classic Zelda games. We got a sequel. We got a sequel to A Link to the Past. Yes, probably, probably the top game. Like, it took game of the year. Who would think that A Link Between Worlds, a 3DS handheld game, would take would just beat out all the major console uh makers games. And, yeah. And, and, and there was a lot of games that came out that year. Yes. Uh like I think what Shadow Mordor came out that year. It was mm-hmm. it was that year, right? Shadow Mordor, uh Dragon Age Inquisition, uh Assassin's Creed Black Flag I think was in there. Like all these major blockbuster games were coming out and like I remember reading the GameSpot game of the year stuff. And a link between worlds was their game of the year. I'm like, I thought I clicked on the wrong article. Like I seriously did because it, like, who would have thought that <laughs> a sequel to the most beloved Zelda game of all time, not only would it live up to the expectations of a link to the past, but exceed them in many ways, and then beat out all these games with multi-million dollar budgets with all these uh you know great uh experimental things with the Xbox One and PS4 being the new hotness and 3DS was this tech tech like the tech in the 3DS besides the 3D was super old you know it was yes. running GameCube and Wii style graphics uh struggling to run those types of graphics and to have this top down Zelda game be game of the year was just astonishing and then you know i always tell you like the 3ds looked like the space where nintendo was experimenting and then they would put the uh, 
the full game on Wii U and now Switch now, I guess. Like, you look at Super Mario 3D Land, clearly kind of like an experiment to see how they could incorporate the new Super Mario Brothers uh, point A to point B into a 3D space. Gave us one of the best Mario games of all time, in my opinion, in Super Mario 3D World. They experimented yes. with, you know, uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask remakes gave us Wind Waker HD, you know, the, the, probably the cleanest looking cell shaded game I've ever seen. Uh, you know, we, we got so many things. They, we got Metroid Prime Federation Force, which was an interesting experiment in a multiplayer, like Destiny Light style game on the 3DS, which, Still think it's coming to Switch at some point. I really do. Like a form of that coming to Switch at some point. Uh, we got Monster Hunter games, which sold amazing. We got, yes. I mean, there there's so many cool experimental things. We got sequels to Luigi's Mansion, finally. <laughs> we got really good Mario and Luigi games. We got uh, a new Paper Mario game. Uh, I, I think just about every franchise Nintendo has, except for maybe F-Zero, hit on this thing you know we got earthbound virtual console uh you know and then the new 3ds xl came out and we got super nintendo games portable for the first time uh they got xenoblade chronicles running on that game this expansive rpg massive rpg running on they got uh street fighter 4 on there yeah yeah i totally forgot street fighter 4 was on there we got we got the uh, the revolution of Fire Emblem with yes. Awakening and Fates and now Echoes, like the resurgence of a dead franchise, essentially, where Fire Emblem Awakening was going to be the swan song for Fire Emblem, and it just blew up and became a phenomenon. Where I would, I would almost put Fire Emblem in like like you look at Nintendo franchises in tiers, right? You yeah. you see Mario and Zelda kind of being the top tier, and then like the second tier would be like Metroid, Star Fox, Kirby, Yoshi, and I would put Fire Emblem right there now. You know, uh, we just got so many cool games. We got so many cool indie games, uh, exper- experimental indie games that turned out to be great. Pushmo, yes. Uh, uh, you know, Steampunk. We got <laughs> yeah, Steamworld Dig. We got uh, the the Azure Gunvolt games. We got Mighty Gunvolt, which. Mighty Gunvolt's amazing, and the game for Switch that just came out, the Mighty Gunvolt Burst, is probably the Mega Man game. The the game Mighty Number no. 9 should have been, uh-huh. and the best Mega Man game since Mega Man 10. Yes. Like, that's, I mean, that's what I'm, that's, <laughs> we got so many awesome games on the 3DS. We got Blaster Master Zero. We got, yes. uh, <laughs> we have so many cool games on the 3DS to the point where, like, yeah, it it outsold the Wii U, but like it it even if the Wii U was considered a success, like the 3DS the 3DS's library is one of the best libraries Nintendo has had since probably Super Nintendo or GameCube. Like mm-hmm. I I I truly believe that. You know, I I I think, you know, we got Star Fox 64 remake and we got Sonic Generations, probably the definitive version of Sonic Generations. We got uh, yeah, the 3DS is a cool system. It is a it's probably going to be one of my favorite Nintendo systems 
when it's all said and done. Can't believe we got a Sonic game for Bioware on the regular DS. Oh yeah, I forgot the Brotherhood, the Dark Dark Brotherhood, Brotherhood. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember that game. Everybody was like, "Why is Bioware developing a Sonic game? And why is Sonic in an RPG? And why does it work so well?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, though that's how kind of Nintendo dominate is still dominated, um, but. Not all handheld games uh, could be as successful as um, the Nintendo family. So, uh, just going to talk, uh, give some names out. The Turbo Express, which was uh, the Turbo Graphics 16 handheld, where if you bought your game for Turbo Graphics, um, you would be able to play it on play it on your Turbo Express, uh, the Hue cards. So right. you didn't really have to buy extra games. You kind of had this uh, system on the go. Um, it used it still used like double uh, A batteries, and it also had a TV turner. That was something that Nintendo didn't have for their system. So you had a TV turner for that. Um, Sega tried to do it with the Game Gear, but uh, and the Nomad, <laughs> yeah, and the Nomad. Uh, but the Gosh, Game the Nomad was atrocious. <laughs> oh, oh, the thing was so big, and like the Game Gear was big, but then like you double the size of the Game Gear, and it's like this massive handheld Genesis with a screen on it. You just plug the Genesis cards in the back, and you're like, this, this is going to take a whole pack of AA batteries just to walk down the street with it. <laughs> right. Uh, we got the terrible Surf Ninjas and Mortal Kombat. Oh, but hey, Game. hey, Surf Ninjas is a great movie. The video game was bad. But the movie was great. That whole spinoff of ninja movies after Ninja Turtles became yeah, popular for yeah. a minute was Three Ninjas, uh, Surf Ninjas, and then like the Karate Kid sequels that weren't very good. <laughs> exactly. So, sorry, I just got sidetracked because we were talking about Three Ninjas at work the other day, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow like only two people had ever heard of Three Ninjas and Surf Ninjas, and I was like, "You guys are terrible human beings." Um, there also were the uh, Atari Lynx. Um, that was Atari's uh, try to come back after the, with the Jaguar. Um, that was just some um, recognizable garbage. But the worst of all was the Engage. Oh, geez, that cell phone with the cart cartridge slot. Yeah, you had to um, you had to take like the batteries and all that stuff in the back out to even put the game in. Yeah, what was that design, man? It was that awesome. was some mess. And the drum, everybody, go on YouTube and see if you can find a video of the history of the Engage or read some articles, because that thing is bunkers. Like it's literally crazy of its history. I mean, like, in theory, back then when that thing came out, a cell phone that could play video games was unheard of. You know, like, this was one of the earliest, I wouldn't even call it a smartphone. It was like, it was still wasn't as, it was like, the the best smartphones you could buy back then were Blackberries. And then it was the Nokia where you could play Snake sometimes. Uh, but then it was like the Engage had come out and and it was, going to be the smartphone uh Game Boy hybrid and you can it was the phone that had little cartridges that you could stick in it and uh -huh. at the time like they were showing off like Tony Hawk 3 I think at the time uh 
and it kind of looked like the Game Boy Advance one, which Tony Hawk 2 for Game Boy Advance, by the way, is really good. Uh, uh, but like you had to take the back off and then you, you had to take the battery out of the phone to switch the cartridge, right? Yeah. Like that was like the whole thing. It was like, this design is awful. Oh, and then the games played like garbage. The games yeah. Bad. Yeah, because they had like this weird, like, imagine like the Switch D pad, like on the Joy-Con, but like the Switch one works, where like this one is just kind of like some arrows that are pointing in random directions, and that's kind of what you had to do, and it was just bad. Oh. Um, There's also the Wanda Swan, uh, the Neo Geo Pocket also was kind of recognizable. Um, Sony came out with the PSP, PlayStation Portable. Um, it was a disc-based uh, system where you were able to play um, a nice game in this LCD um, screen, but you were also able to uh, watch movies. They had a new format called UMD. Universal to... Media Disc, which were not universal at all. Right, because you only could play it on that system. <laughs> I know. So... Oh man, I remember my PSP bundle. I got Spider Man. Uh, I think it was Spider Man Two. I think, uh, and like this demo disc. And I remember you had to buy like the Memory Stick Pro Duos or whatever, mm-hmm. and like, and like twelve twelve megabytes of memory on that stick was like, like fifty dollars. I was like, oh my gosh, not gigs, megs, <laughs> megabytes. It was the worst. I mean, it, they just made the same mistake with the Vita 2, and it was just like, oh. And then they also had the PSP Go, where it was only digital. Like, mm-hmm. And it's just like, well. Which everybody that has a Vita is like, why would I own a physical co- copies on Vita when I could just buy the 64 gig memory card and just download everything? But like at the time, people were furious. Remember how furious people were that they Sony made a PSP that didn't, didn't have a disc slot and yeah. then because like games like kingdom hearts uh the final fantasy tactics game and one of the god of war games were not you could not download those games yet they were not available for download and the only way you could play them was to own the umd yeah. and people were freaking out because the kingdom hearts the only spinoff kingdom heart game that matters in the lore of kingdom hearts was not available to download and people were freaking out and they're like, this thing's going to fail. And it, I mean, it did the, and yeah. that one did. And it was kind of like a slider. So you slid the system up to mm-hmm. play the controllers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a mess, but they also, we talked about the PSP Vita that came in and that was even a fiasco because even though they went to cartridge, you had to have a Sony priority, uh, memory card you couldn't use no other memory card to play to save any of those games and it ended up becoming like an ending machine like the call of duty one and like the only physical game i think they said was good on it was uncharted that i think like the assassin's creed one was terrible the kill zone i think they brought kill zone to uh well i think i think uh assassin's creed was pretty good but I think a lot of people waited to play it until it got ported to consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people actually kind of liked it once they <laughs> got that, uh, that just all the buttons were there. Like, I think if I think Sony could put a handheld out now with the success of the Switch, 
I think they could put a handheld out now that as long as they didn't have none of that touch garbage on the back and they use yeah. SD cards, like I think Sony could be successful in a handheld market for the simple fact that, you know, people want to remote play their games in handheld mode, which is still the reason why I still want to replace my Vita at some point. So I could uh, just, you know, like I said earlier, the Switch is such a nice little system to have. And then I could plug it in the TV when I want to play it. Like, that would be nice to have to play my PS4 games on the couch. Give me two triggers, give me clicky sticks, and don't give me a back touchpad, and let me use an SD card. I, I mean, that's all, that's those were the biggest mistakes with the Vita that I think if they fixed those, Sony could be successful in the handheld market because the PSP was successful. And I know, like, probably 35% of the sales were because there was a security a really bad security thing on it, and a lot of people use it as an emulation machine. Yeah. Uh, but PSP had a lot of solid RPGs on it, and they had a really, really good Metal Gear game, and they had probably the strongest of those original God of War games in Ghosts of Sparta and Chain of, Chains of Olympus. I think Ghosts of Sparta is still probably the best God of War game. If you have a PS3, it's available there, too. You should you should check it out, at least. It's really good. Uh, the Final Fantasy VII you know, one. Yeah, they had that, and they had, like, they, the PSP had Final Fantasy Tactics, a remade Final Fantasy Tactics that included the lore from Final Fantasy XII, which was the big Final Fantasy game at the time. Uh, they incorporated those characters and the lore from XII into the original story and actually made a really, really strong version of Final Fantasy Tactics for it, which is awesome. Uh, you can play it on iPad, too, if you really want to, but... Uh, you know, there, there's just so many cool things on the PSP uh, that, you know, if they would have just learned the mistakes of the PSP, which they, instead of, like, the six mistakes the PSP made, they added two new mistakes and fixed one where they gave actually gave it two sticks instead of one. Yeah. Uh, but I I think if they remade the Vita with, with all the right buttons and stuff, just made basically made it a DualShock with a screen on it. Like, people would be really happy. The PlayStation fan base would be super thrilled to have a handheld device. Yes, I agree. Well, we're going to get into the last part of it where we're going to be talking about the future of handheld. Um, and, Corey, I'm going to uh, give this portion to you because we probably could both agree on that the Nintendo Switch is the future of portable gaming. Uh, yeah. It's a hybrid of home console and... Uh, taking that style of game on the go, those high quality graphics, and you know, continuing your game on the go. You just flip it up, bam, it's on the system, and there you go. Um, taking out the Joy Cons and be sharing it with friends. Um, it's still a crazy demand that people are coming into the stores, buying them, asking for them and stuff. But I'm gonna hand it over to you, Corey. What do you think is the future of handheld? I mean, I, I think you nailed it, right? I think uh, the Switch, the concept of the Switch is an amazing concept that I can't believe, like, it's a no-brainer, right? It's like, it, I can't believe nobody thought of it until now. And now that it's out, like, I feel so stupid for, like, I feel bad for everybody who didn't think of it before, right? It's the home console you can plug in the TV. Granted, the way you have to do it is kind of, 
whatever. I I don't like the dock design. There there are I do have a few issues with the Switch's design itself, but as a concept and as a machine, I think the Switch is fantastic. I think the way you just like slide it into the dock, pick up your Pro controller to play it on the TV, and you know just to take it out and really just continue playing from where you left off when you take it out of the dock when you go to the next room or you go to the car or you go go going on a trip or whatever like the switch is the future of handheld uh gaming they they made it look like a sexy piece of technology uh you know i would compare it to like it looks like an ipad or kindle or something where like you know that's that's the future of handhelds and i think Nintendo already had those good graces of uh, everybody loves Nintendo's handheld machines, right? Always have, regardless of of what you think of their home consoles. You know, the handhelds have always been Nintendo's greatest uh, asset. And launching it with a great set of games, probably the best Zelda game of all time, the best Mario Kart game of all time three weeks later you have this lineup for the rest of the year that is simply fantastic you know you're getting fire warriors which is the muso hack and slash style game uh a giant rpg in xenoblade uh you've got third parties jumping on board now uh you you they've already announced a metroid and a pokemon game which i think pokemon's really gonna just make that thing sell like hotcakes even though it's not now like pokemon is just gonna kill it Uh, i can't wait I know I doubted it, and I was just like, "They're not gonna make it. They make too much money." And I that was my, that was my logic. And they, they announced it. I admit that I was wrong. I, I was, I'm shocked, but you know, I'm like, they could have made a Pokemon game for any console that they want. That could have been just like the handheld. But because now that I now. Because the Switch is on being, you know, on the go and stuff, they could still treat it as a portable title. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that, like, being able to take that game on the go so you could trade with people and battle with people in, in person, I think that's what uh, the Pokemon company was waiting for and needed in order to make this game or to start developing this game. Yeah, and... uh you know, that was like their big thing was, you know, that's why we're not making a, a Pokemon RPG on consoles because the whole point of Pokemon is sharing and, and experiencing the game together and trading and, and battling friends. And like, like you said, now that the Switch, you can take it with you, you can do all that things and still have the power of the home console. I still think the next Pokemon game is going to come out on Switch and 3DS. I st- I still think that, like after Ultra Sun and Moon, uh-huh. the next mainline game probably going to uh, release on both, just for the simple fact that 3DS has such a large install base. Unless they re- unless they make a direct sequel, which apparently is teased in Ultra Sun and Moon with some leaks, uh, go back and make Red and Blue too. That's the only way I could see that game now because they won't have to make all the Pokemon, you know, it'll be a Pokemon ghost situation in terms of content. You know, that world is relatively small compared to the rest. Uh, They can make a dense 
world in a small in a small map, you'd only have to make 151 Pokemon instead of 800 and something, and yeah. add and add more later via either Updates. DLC or trading or updates stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know they could do a lot with that, but uh, but yeah, I I gosh, I really want a red and blue HD on TV oh. <laughs> third person uh, your, RPG. Your, your Diffy will be hard time finding a switch with that. Oh gosh, yeah, I know, right? Especially if they bundle it. If there's like a Pokemon bundle. I, can I tell you, Ugh. if they did that, or even a Gold and Silver remake, a two, Pokemon yeah. Gold, Pokemon Gold literally could just hang it up. Yeah. Yeah, I I would actually think maybe Gold and Silver would be the, like the ultimate remake, because it includes Red and Blue in it already. Yeah. So I could see them going that route as well, like a Gold and Silver 2 or something. Uh but yeah, man, that Pokemon Switch game is gonna just do gangbusters. Like I, I was on the fence whether or not like they should make the next game for 3DS or Switch as much as I wanted on Switch, so I was fighting for that one. Yeah. But seeing how Switch is selling, man, it's gonna be difficult not to make one for Switch. Like that would be such a difficult thing. Uh. So, but anyways, back back to the the topic, the future of handheld. I think. If Sony or even Microsoft were to attempt something like that, like I don't think they have the library uh, necessary to do a Switch type device. I would think that they would make an iPad like device where A, you could either remote play and have controllers hook onto the side, mm-hmm. or B, their their version of a switch would have to be like four or five hundred dollars just because the PS4 and Xbox One are so powerful at this point that shrinking that technology would cost money. Yeah. And so like their route would have to be kind of different. It would have to almost be another Vita situation where you could remote play. Well Microsoft would have the surface. Right. So- yeah, that's true. That's true. Microsoft does have the Surface, and it does have USB ports where you can plug in an Xbox One controller, right. and like you know, with the Windows 10 Play Anywhere thing, and you can stream to Windows 10 devices. That actually does make sense. They do have Surface. They could just call it like the Xbox Service Surface, and actually have, you know, an Xbox One controller attached to the sides of it, almost. You know, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's ways they can do it, but I think the there is a future for dedicated handheld devices. Like the Switch has proven that. I thought you know the Vita was failed and well, to an extent failed, uh, and the 3DS kind of slowing down the handheld market. Like and the 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 rise in like cell phone games and and there are some decent cell phone games out there. Like Hitman Go is really good. Angry Birds is is still like the go to uh, game, you know. Nintendo putting Fire Emblem and Mario on phones, like I thought, maybe you know, maybe handhelds were done, but like with the success of the Switch and so many people, like probably like seventy five percent of the people I talk to who own a Switch have never even plugged in the dock. Crazy, 
because, you know, they want to play it in handheld mode. And so there is that dedicated handheld space and it can be successful. You just have to have it's it all comes back to the games, man. You got to have the killer games. You have to have like Nintendo was so smart and we were so mad at them for so long for holding games back for the switch. But dude, we got Zelda. It launched with Zelda, man, right out the gate. It launched with a Shovel Knight expansion. It launched with Mario Kart. We have Arms and Splatoon now. We're getting Pokemon Tournament. We're getting uh, Fire Emblem. We're getting Xenoblade. We're getting Mario Odyssey. Like, that's the first year of Nintendo exclusive games for Switch. Right. I mean, honestly, like, Xbox One and PS4 have been out since 2013. Right, 2013. I think they, so. they, neither of those systems have a library like that yet. And I'm not saying like Horizon's not amazing, but Nintendo has 10, 11, 12 great games on a system that's been out for less than a year, you know, presumably. And yes, some of them are Wii U ports. I get it, but they're still great games nonetheless. Yes. Where Sony's first party has maybe like six or seven, eight, you know, uh, first-party, legitimate first-party games that are great. And Xbox maybe has, you know, five or six first-party games that are great over triple, quadruple the lifespan. So, like, Nintendo is really selling this thing hard to the point where, like, any gaming device can be successful if you have the games, if you have the library. And, like... When I'm saying Sony doesn't have great games, they they have the third-party games to stretch out their library, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about first-party only. Uh, but you know, when you have if you have a strong lineup, your system will be successful. If you come out at a price point that's reasonable, if you come out swinging with some solid software, your game's going to be your system's going to be successful. And I think that I think handhelds uh, you know, people don't want to spend like $300 on a handheld, but yet they spend money on their phone. And like, I just don't think that's true anymore. You know, right. like there, there was a phase where that was a thing, you know, and that's why Nintendo dropped the price on the 3DS so fast. You know, uh, that's why V you can get a Vita now for like $110. Like, there's there's all these things, but the games are what's going to sell your system, and the future of handhelds is going to rely heavily on the library of the games. Well, that with that, everybody, I'm sorry. I want to continue this conversation, but we do have to end. Um, thank you, Corey, for coming on for uh, being the guest for part one. Um, plug, where can we find you at? What's going on? All right, you can find me on Twitter at Corey in UHD. You can find me on Instagram and Twitch at Corey in HD. You can find me over at NGRRadio.com and on NGR Radio, Pow Block, Hi. Arsenal X. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we have a whole family of shows that you can check out. Uh, World 1-1 Podcast, Nerds Gone Platinum, uh, yes. The Brew Review. Like, I, like NGR is kind of like this big family of shows and like you can just find me there and yeah, you can come check out our YouTube page too. And you can subscribe to that too. Yes. Uh, so, but yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud of Ed. Ed, 
puts in a lot of work for us and i just i love you to death man it's it's awesome um you guys can follow me on twitter at that retro i want to hear what you guys think about um the beauty of handhelds you can email the show at my op to comment at yahoo.com you can hear more optional opinion on soundcloud itunes google play and other podcast apps like the anonymous radio network and world player fm like just check check around the internet you'll be able to find it um, but if you missed out on this uh, week's feature, go to IGN.com, type in anime, E-N-I-M-E, and read this week's work of uh, The Beauty of Handhelds. Um, thank you once again, Corey. I'm sorry I had to cut it off short because we could have went a little bit longer. Um, yeah, I know. But it's you, my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You'll be able to come back on because when we get to, we're going to have that GameCube discussion. Yeah, and I might have to do Ugh. round table. I'm literally going to have to do round table because the GameCube is so influential for me with Nintendo that it's probably one of my best consoles. But it, it, it's it's fighting against Wii U. It's fighting against Switch. It's fighting against Wii Super Nintendo. Like it's in a big fight with all, which is all Nintendo products. Mm-hmm. But. Um, everybody, next uh, week and next episode is going to be about PC and consoles. So you guys will be able to check that out with my special guest. Um, don't want to reveal it just yet. You guys will just have to wait to that next episode. And then I got another special guest coming on to talk about the arcade systems, which you guys will be able to see um, and read within two more weeks. And then I got a very, very special guest closing everything out. But with that, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Optional Opinion. Please, once again, read the blogs on um, IGN.com under anime. And also, check out NGR Radio. I also write some reviews and personal blogs there. Um, like I, I do Nintendo Power Block with Corey and Arsenal X with Corey and Jesse. World 1-1 Podcast I do with Larry. And sometimes I'll be a guest on the other podcast shows like uh, Nurse Gone Wrong or Nurse Gone Platinum. Um, I haven't did the beer review yet. Uh, I did talk to uh, John and I was just like, <laughs> you should do one with bottle art. Just like artwork on the cans and stuff. Um, that would be a good episode. But with that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend or whenever you hear this podcast. And with that, we are out. Bye. Bye.